you struggle with finding hope during suffering? Do you think it is possible for joy and suffering to coexist? Are you currently in a place of pain and are looking for a little bit of hope? These are some of the things that we're going to talk about today on The Possibility Mom Live. I'm always transparent with (laughs) y'all. You know how it goes over here. I'm always transparent. And I I have a heavy heart. I have been um, this week, I had the honor of attending the Mass of the Holy Angels, the the family, um, uh, Beckett Weinert. He's a beautiful infant who passed very recently. And his parents, Stephanie Weinert and Peter, uh, decided to follow Catholic heritage, which is actually um, where there is no um, requiem mass, if I if I remember the word correctly, meaning there's no, um, we're not praying for mercy because we know that the child who dies before the age of reason goes straight to heaven. This is our Catholic understanding. And so instead, there were lots of glorias. Instead, there was Easter dresses. Instead, there was a lot of joy. And I was so touched by this experience. And the homily that was presented by um, Father Timothy Reed, I believe his name is, and it turns out that he has an incredible story. He himself is a convert to Catholicism. But the story, the homily, the words impacted me so deeply. And they were all on this topic of can joy and suffering coexist. And you know, when you hear those words, it can be easy to think like that's an oxymoron. There's no way that can exist. And so I want to invite you to listen to the words of the homily. I actually, I was so struck by it that I transcribed it. And I want to just take a minute to read it to you right now, because I think they are words that we all need. And I think regardless of your background, there is something to be gained. And so he opens with St. Paul wrote in a letter to the Corinthians, and this is by the way, saved in a highlight on my Instagram at Lisa Canning. I has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it so much dawned on man what God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, Heaven is going to be far, far better than we can possibly conceive. And for that, we can rejoice in God's mercy and goodness that he makes that available to us. And yet the absence of Beckett causes suffering. And yet we never suffer alone. In addition to the consolation of family and friends, our beautiful Catholic faith teaches us how the angels and saints intercede for us. They are with us. The veil is thin between heaven and earth. Sometimes we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the angels and saints are indeed with us. We can sense their presence. We know they are there. Beckett can intercede for us. We now have a very particular intercessor in heaven, one who loves both with an earthly love and a heavenly love, as one who knows both sides of the veil. Interestingly, our Lord revealed to St. Faustina that the souls of little children send all of heaven 
into ecstasy. The souls of children send all of heaven into ecstasy because of the resemblance they bear to Christ in their purity and in their innocence. And our Lord further reveals that these are the Father's favorite souls. Suffering is painful, but hope in eternal life can remove sadness. As Blessed Pierre Giorgio said, sadness should be banished from all Christian souls. For suffering is a far different thing than sadness, which is the worst disease of all. It is almost always caused by a lack of faith, but the purpose for which we have been created shows us the path along which we must go. Perhaps strewn with many thorns, but not a sad path, even in the midst of intense suffering. It is one of joy. Worldly hearts would say that finding joy in the midst of suffering is an impossibility. We Christians know that joy and suffering are not mutually exclusive, but that they often exist together in one soul. And this is because it's with suffering that we become more like our Savior, whose name we bear by the grace of the sacraments. Our suffering configures us to the one who suffered for us, and because of us, it's through suffering that our salvation was won for us, and it is by suffering that we are best prepared for heaven. This life doesn't have to be in vain. So when the waves of uh, of suffering come, face them with faith, embrace the cross that this loss brings, because by doing so, grace will enter into your suffering. Grace that will sustain you and be aware that grace does not erase pain, but God's grace is sufficient to help us bear the awful way to the cross. I don't know about you, but <laughs> this, this really, <laughs> this really challenges me. Like this really, 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 really challenges me. The one that challenges me the most is what he says here, that sadness should be banished from all Christian souls. For suffering is far different a thing than sadness, which is the worst disease of all. It's almost always caused by a lack of faith, but the purpose for which we have been created shows us the path along we must go. Anyway, and if you are in my Instagram comments there, you'll see that it challenged quite a few people as well. Because how how can we not feel pain? How can we not feel pain when we've lost a loved one? How can we not be fed up by some of life's challenges, some of life's frustrations? Is it possible <laughs> to get to that place where we can find the joy? And here's where I've landed after several days of really contemplating this, really looking at um, the beautiful mom, my friend, Stephanie, and and looking at how she has truly embraced this, embraced the cross, this true period of suffering, but also been able to find joy and redemption in it. And here's where I've landed. It's that, that there's not the absence of pain. I believe we're not supposed to live a pain-free life. And I think we can try. I certainly try. I certainly try real hard with eight kids over here. I let me tell you, I do all the things to try to make life more strategic, easier, more effortless, if you will. I, and and those I think are are helpful. It's helpful to run your life with systems that will help your family to thrive. I don't think that those are 
wrong things to do. We should pursue some level of um, order in our homes. But here's the thing. Here's the <laughs> here's the catch, if you will. <laughs> I don't believe we're meant to live lives with no pain. And so I think that inevitably something will happen. Inevitably, like everyone, I've got eight kids, all with free wills. So there's going to be something naturally, doesn't matter how many systems, doesn't matter how many things, doesn't matter how many, you know, things I do with my strategy to try to control. I really do believe that God will just give me, you know, he's proven this time and time again. (laughs) He will just give opportunity for us to grow in trust of him and grow in the ability to give up control. I was talking to my spiritual director about this this morning and I was like, don't you get like annoyed when things don't go your way? And he was like, meh, not really. (laughs) But he, you know, he was like, it's not my temperament. He was like, Lisa, like your temperament is a bit more choleric. Like you love control. And so every time the Lord invites you to give up that control by inconvenient situations, by frustrating things, by um, something not going your way, it's an invitation to surrender. It's an invitation to greater intimacy. And here's the thing. And let me know in the comments if you struggle with control, if you struggle with finding hope in suffering, if you struggle with reading what you heard in that in that homily if you struggle with any of that let me know in the comments but here's the thing that i have very much learned to be true if we want to work on something so for example like control or perhaps like falling into despair or any anything any vice anything in our lives that perhaps isn't really great for us I know being in control all the time is not great for me because it spikes a lot of cortisol. It causes a lot of tension <laughs> with the relationships in my life. I, I, I have learned very quickly by very practical experience, it's not great for me. So what do we do instead? We work on the virtue that is opposite. And for me, you know, the first thing that came to mind was obedience. You know, like what's the opposite of control? Like maybe being obedient, not needing to be in control. But at the heart of that obedience, (laughs) I don't like this, (laughs) at the heart of obedience actually is humility. And so if you struggle with any of these things that we discussed that I've brought up today, if you struggle with um, finding hope in challenging situations, I would encourage you to think about, you know, what is it that potentially you're holding on to or what is it that you are clinging to? And then what is the opposite of that? You know, what, what is the opposite of that? And again, it might not be so cut and dry for you. It might require some exploration. It might require some discernment and thinking and journaling and all the things. I, I, I think that journaling is a very powerful tool here. I never used to like the idea of journaling. I kind of thought journaling was very, uh, I don't know, wishy-washy, just like silly, kind of like the thing you did when you were 12, you know, dear diary kind of thing. But I've, I've, I've come to appreciate it from a place of thoughts. And it is actually just getting thoughts out of our head. And when thoughts are out of our head, 
we can then be more objective about it, about those thoughts. And that's where I think truly some magic happens. So I work with a mindset coach. Her name is Erin Ingold. She was on, I think, episode two of my show. And she has really changed the way I think about my own thoughts. If I'm being really honest, I used to be absolutely held captive by my thoughts. I would think about anything and just be so convinced that this is the only way it's going to be. You know, my husband would do something to irritate me and I would have a thought that was like, it's always going to be like this. And I believed that thought to be true for a really long time. And it's taken me many years and a lot of experience and a lot of growing and a lot of all the things to realize that actually we have control over our thoughts. We actually very quickly can think something totally different than before. And I I really never truly realized how much my thoughts held me captive before and what freedom can arise when you get all your thoughts out of your head. Just think about that for a second, how freeing it can be to just dump everything you're thinking onto paper and not put any judgment. That's the key here. No judgment. And then what do you do next? You're able to discern and sift through, well, what are the facts? So Metanoia uh, Catholic, which is what Erin and her husband, Matt, founded, and they are a um, an organization that I'm getting training in on how to be a better coach, particularly with in a Catholic context. And they've developed this journal that basically takes you through this. Like you do this big thought reconnaissance, if you will, a big thought download. You just write all these things down with no judgment. And then you're able to pick through what are the facts here? And what are the things that maybe like really are only a story and not a fact? And then you're able to think of, okay, well, what would be a more helpful thought? You've heard me say this a lot over here. If you've been in my world for a little while, you know, I always talk about this. What's a helpful thought versus a harmful thought? And I think in this whole conversation of joy and suffering coexisting, that's one of the things to pay attention to is what are helpful thoughts in this moment? And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about how it still feels painful. And I don't think it's supposed to be an absence of pain. Grief is going to bring about pain. I have, I have cried over the last couple of days. There was a moment in the funeral. There were a few moments in the funeral, many moments during the homily. But there was a moment at the end where um, little Beckett's casket was there. I did not know this was going to happen. They, um, instead of a formal wake, they instead um, were le- had Beckett in the church. And for um, two hours after the beautiful service, they, they had his beautiful little body there. And there was a moment when they were moving things around, getting ready to do it. And they opened the casket that I just, it was, It, it, it was very emotional to see, um, you know, to be reminded right in front of you of the absence, obviously, of this of this um, little soul that was once here. And um, I would say that was pain. It was pain. You know, I, I remember looking at his little body and feeling really mad at God 
really mad at God. Like, why would you allow this child to suffer? Why would you allow all this suffering for the parents and for the siblings? But here's where it gets really interesting and where an understanding of a Catholic anthropology, I know there's all kinds of people who follow me here, but this is where I have come to know is the absolute truth is that this is simply just a pit stop. When you have an understanding that life here on earth is a temporary assignment, I can feel it even in my body, just almost the, the relief of the pain. You know, and I'd be, I'd be curious, if you don't share a similar worldview to me, and this is challenging for you, I'd, I'd be so curious, you know, like send me a message, like let's have this conversation. Leave a comment here today. But I can, I can feel it in my body. There's the pain that comes from the loss of this beautiful baby. But when you know where he is, and when you know the reception he was given in heaven, and when you know that it is true that there is now a little saint that we can call to for intercession, it puts a totally different, like I can feel it in my body, this different context on the suffering that I feel. It, it, it's, it's painful, yes, but the joy can coexist. You know, and I, I shared this briefly in the hotel room in Charlotte, North Carolina, that the other thing that I think is such a interesting thing to ponder is also the person we become as a result of going through suffering. Now, you know, those of you who follow me here on YouTube, you um, know that I, Josh and I, my husband Josh and I, are very passionate about talking about mental illness because there was a time in our marriage where mental illness was very, very debilitating, where it felt hard, where I did not feel like there was any hope. And I get messages all the time. I get messages constantly, um, I would say daily, to be honest, in my various, you know, Instagram and Facebook and whatnot, of people who tell me that the videos that we create give them hope, that they're in that place of dark despair where they don't think they're going to make it, but seeing that we are farther ahead of them in the journey makes them feel like there is hope. And I think that's the thing to not forget here. The person that we become as a result of the suffering. And when we can, with time, you know, with discernment, with um, patience, with prayer, with counsel, all the things, when we can give words to our feelings, give words to those thoughts, when we can come to this place where we can express something that can help someone else in their stage of the journey, I just think what an incredible gift that can be. We we don't we don't know. <laughs> like I, I am a person who loves control. So I wish I knew everything. I wish I knew exactly what was going to happen. I wish I could say that, you know, if I do this, it will directly impact this in a guaranteed way. But that just simply is not true. <laughs> we we just don't know. And you know, if you're like me and 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 are frustrated by a lack of control, you know, like solidarity to you, sister. 
But I bring that up because I believe that so much of our journey here, you know, whether you share my Catholic worldview or not, so much of our journey here is about the person we become and who we can help at the same time. Those are just some of my thoughts on the topic of can joy and suffering coexist. I would love to know what you think about this topic. I would love to know um, if this is something that you struggle with as well and what your experience is. So please do drop me a line and let's continue this conversation. I'm excited to be back next week with the beautiful Danielle Bean. Danielle Bean has written a book called Whisper, and we are going to continue this conversation of God's presence in our lives. And so I invite you to join me back next week for the Possibility Mom Live. I know this week was a little bit different in tone, but I hope hopeful for you nonetheless. Cheers to a beautiful weekend. I hope it is full of hope and joy and light. And we'll see you next week. 